Hello, I'm Greg. Let's have an inappropriate conversation about the sound of dissent. This time, the focus is religion. Just answer to the question How can we make the world easier to bear? We could go on a mission To get all politicians And preachers off of the air Cause when you're talking to that many people At one time You're bound to be lying to someone at some time So let's band together and throw all of these liars off television. First off, how do I connect the dots between the title of this one and religion in particular? Where does dissent come in? And for me, it's the concept of dissenting opinion. I'm making an intentional callback to Inappropriate Conversations 74, back in November of 2011, where Thomas Aquinas was the different drummer. And I actually shared an essay of my own at that time, using the same concepts of introducing objections to a point of view so that I could reply to those objections and thereby uh, offering a dissenting opinion to what is often itself a dissenting opinion. And I probably have a reputation, I would imagine, as someone who throughout the history of inappropriate conversations sides on the side of religion, while at the same time being extremely critical of it. I think that's perhaps what I'm shooting for. So if that sounds like it's a criticism or a self-criticism, then for me, I'm going to say mission accomplished. Because I am genuinely of two minds about things. I have a faith that's been sorted out reasonably well. I'm going to call back to it here in just a moment. But I also am extremely disappointed with some of the things that are done in the name of Christianity today. Just this day, I was driving down the highway and saw saw a sign that says, Real Christians love their enemies. And I think that sign was put up there intentionally to call out what is so wrong with evangelical Christianity today, especially the warmongering, flag-waving type of uh, politically conservative American Christianity that seems to be looking for a fight and relishing it every time they get it, instead of doing what Jesus told us to do in the Sermon on the Mount. So, this is going to be a little different, though, and it's going to be different for a couple of reasons. First, I'm going to allow a lot of other points of view to have their say. So, I will share some music without rebuttal, generally speaking, that is openly hostile toward organized religion, and the church in particular, and raises a lot of legitimate concerns about Christianity that I'm just going to allow to stand. 
For those who might find this objectionable and wish that Inappropriate Conversations 200, despite what I'm forecasting to be its length, was more positive about religion, then I would just ask you to go back 50 to the longest episode, still the longest episode I've ever recorded, Inappropriate Conversations number 150, Opening the Scriptures. That one went on for three and a half hours with me not just sharing a lot of scripture, but sharing a lot of very supportive scriptures, scriptures that kind of overlap overlap each other, reinforce each other. And although it may not be an episode that would be welcome in the most conservative corners of American Christianity, it was nevertheless a, a Christian apologetic of its own sort. That Inappropriate Conversations episode, 150, was released in September 2014. The other thing that's interesting here is I'm going to probably hit two or three unique topics as I go through, all where I believe religion is relevant, and I'm going to try to call them out as I go and as I get to them. But consider there to be three different points of view, perhaps, along the way. One, we're going to start off with some very general points of view, some comparison contrasts on a perspective about religion. Then I'm going to dive into a focus on women's issues. Because even though maybe all of women's issues and all the concerns that women have raised and should continue to be raising in the current state of politics in the world today aren't directly related to religion, and religion can't be uh, you know singled out as the blame for all of these problems, there are more than a few. And I'm going to let some of the uh, female singer-songwriters speak for themselves on that issue. And then I'm going to go international just a little bit for the different drummers. So when we get to the different drummer, we'll take religion off of an American focus into an international focus and also talk about religion leading to uh, ongoing perpetual war. We'll get there in a little bit. But before I proceed much further, playing us in and out today, replacing the typical Inappropriate Conversations theme song, is T-Bone Burnett. I'm going to allow his initial theme from I Can Explain Everything off of his CD, The Criminal Under My Own Hat, to play us in, and the reprise of that to play us out. So the lyrics, pretty much identical, version to version. The music could not be more different. Burnett was the different drummer in Inappropriate Conversations number 165, Memorial Music, uh, released in May of 2015. So I think that that gets us underway here with a long, intentionally long episode, focused on religion, not unlike Inappropriate Conversations number 150. And as you notice, these milestone shows have been the ones where I've allowed myself to kind of break the mold a little bit. And at the time that Inappropriate Conversations 100 was released, it was the longest that I'd ever done and covers the origin story of the show itself. 150, I've already mentioned, three plus hours. A lot of focus on religion there. This one feels like it's going to be way more than two and a half hours. We'll see what happens. But it also going to be focusing heavy on religion. Let me begin with a song that's positive, reinforcing, coming from a Christian point of view, but speaking to other Christians about uh, Christian hypocrisy in particular, and coming from a surprising source. I don't know that anybody would necessarily predict that I would have songs by Kenny Rogers on my MP3 player. And to be fair, in a very old, you know, early 60s version of Kenny Rogers, with a song called Tell It All, Brother. And we'll follow that off with a very opposite point of view, one that is still uh, offering criticism of uh, the credulity of the faithful, but doing so in a negative way, with Roger Waters, and one of the versions of the song he put out called What God Wants. Tell it all, brother, 
Shrimp. 
responsibilities reading about the end of the world and what's this I am become death the destroyer of worlds it is an ancient Hindu text quoted by an American American mm. he invented the atomic bomb and he was later accused of being a communist that said ended with a clip from the hunt for red October uh, the end of the world conversation right before Captain Ramius decides he needs to permanently dispose of the KGB officer on board the submarine Red October. To get to the heart of what I want to do today, though, it probably needs to be the words and ideas of Ian Anderson. I don't know that anybody has offered, at least prior to maybe 1970-71, had offered such a compelling rock and roll criticism of the state of Christianity. Now, in this case, it was uh, focusing on the Church of England. But if you're not familiar with the album Aqualung, it is well worth the time. Side one tells the story of a character named Aqualung with a you know start and stop to that story arc. Side two simply called My God. And it offers, a again, a fairly scathing criticism. I will cover the ideas of Jethro Tull in that particular uh, side of the album, side two back in the era when there were sides of albums with excerpts from My God, Hymn 43, and Wind Up. Nothing, if that's all that you can see. 
You are the God of everything He's inside you and me So lean upon him gently And don't call on him to save
You know who, who with his plastic crucifix. He's got him fixed. Confuses me as to who and where and why. As to how he gets his kicks. He gets his kicks. Confessing to the endless sin, the endless winding sounds. He'll be praying till next Thursday.
Inappropriate Conversations, number 53. 
back in April of 2011 was called Secular Visions of Divinity, and it included some of the songs that I'm going to cover today. That less with sharing any music, per se, uh, less about putting the sound into the sound of a dissenting opinion on issues related to religion, and more about simply sharing some of the words and highlighting that even when someone has a negative obsession with a particular denomination or a religion or even a spirituality, that there's something positive that can happen there. It opens a dialogue. It's a place where religion is divisive and combative and difficult. It's still a place where religion is being discussed and where the mistakes can be corrected on one side of the spectrum. And on the other side of the spectrum, a different point of view would be a place where we're talking about things and we have a chance to bridge any gaps that might exist. Some of those bridges are difficult, but I want to share the poem or the prose on the backside of the original vinyl album release of Jethro Tull Aqualung, just to get a sense that this isn't really an either or. Sometimes a scathing criticism of religion can, in its own strange way, be an endorsement. And this is one of the best examples that I can ever remember encountering. It's one that I encountered fairly early. Not at the album's release in the early 70s, but perhaps not long after. Mid-70s, call it. If you got this album, and you open it up, and, and you spread the uh, the inside cover, there's a large photograph, and it's going to have... Album covers always have information about uh, the performers in the band, what instruments they played, the songs, maybe song links. But this one also included this. In the beginning, man created God. And in the image of man created he him. And man gave unto God a multitude of names that he might be lord over all the earth when it was suited to man. And on the seven millionth day man rested and did lean heavily on his God and saw that it was good. And man formed Aqualung of the dust of the ground and a host of others likened unto his kind. And these lesser men man did cast into the void and some were burned and some were put apart from their kind. And man became the God that he had created, and with his miracles did rule over all the earth. But as all these things did come to pass, the spirit that did cause man to create his God lived within all men, even within Aqualung, and man saw it not. But for Christ's sake, he'd better start looking. It is it's happening. Starting June 23rd, ending June 25th. 2017. This one's explosive. It's the Prime 48 2017 Summer Live Streaming Weekend. All your favorite little shoes. Streaming live. June 23rd, 24th, and 25th. Why can't I have a candy bar? Stand by for all of this. For the latest information, go to Pride48.com. I know so far in this Sound Of series, I haven't included very many promos. Uh, being really occupied with a lot of other sound clips, for one thing, and the length of the show's growing for that same reason. But I wanted to make sure that I did stop early on and include a promo for an upcoming event at the end of June uh, at Pride48.com. This is also available on TuneIn Radio, but as the promo indicated, there will be an entire weekend of almost, not quite, but almost back-to-back podcasts being um, uh, put on live. So it's not just a whole bunch of shows being uh, released together, but actually those shows actually being performed 
together live. Pride48.com. There's also a chat room there and on the TuneIn Radio app. At this point, though, I want to make a shift. I feel like I've introduced the things that I wanted to cover today, that there's a broad range here. We've got the the supportive Christian worldview of Kenny Rogers, who's nevertheless telling other Christians that you better drop the hypocrisy. We can't talk about accountability and have this sort of two-faced attitude toward people who are in their moment of greatest need. Uh, so Kenny Rogers, you know, back in the 60s, with Roger Waters basically using the philosophical argument to say, if what God wants, God gets. If God is omnipotent and omniscient, that all-powerful aspect means that it's really hard to make an argument that things are beyond God's control. And yet, if you take that somewhat simplistic philosophical perspective, that everything is in God's control and therefore of God's doing, certainly doesn't paint God in a very holy light. And then Jethro Tull, which I think offering a bunch of criticisms that sort of blend, like that back cover prose that I shared, where simultaneously accusing a lot of very religious people of making up the rules as they go, of being their own God, and kind of harkens to the more modern concept of uh, you can tell that someone has made God in their own image when God hates all the same people they do. That sort of thought process. But at the end, pulling it around and twisting and saying, you know, whatever it is that led people to develop religious constructs, whatever that spirituality is, is still real. Even if everything that they create of their own hands is, you know, arguably bogus. Well, I don't think that any one group of people, if you divide the world into groups, has suffered more at the hands of the abuse of religious doctrine than women. And I'm going to allow, in a single uninterrupted block, a lot of those women to have their say, whether it be about equal pay or actually direct violent church abuse of young women or the way there's a double standard in even the music industry where men can sing a lot of things, including a lot of very sexist things and not run into any threat to their career. But for women, it's a very different situation. So we're going to hear from Laurie Anderson, Joni Mitchell, Tori Amos, and No Doubt as the criticisms of religion veer their way over into the women's experience of patriarchy. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Oh, he says it's nothing, sir. Merely a malfunction, old data. Pay it no mind. That's the zigzag bar And everybody was talking at once And it was getting real But I've been around the block But I don't care I'm on a roll I'm on a wild ride Cause the moon is full And look out, baby Cause they go crazy from time to time. 
song for somebody um, a few years ago. I played the piano all my life, and um, I just stopped playing one day. I couldn't play anymore. And um, why? That's, we'll go out to dinner, talk about it. But um, anyway, so I stopped playing, and this is one of the first songs I wrote to play again. And um, I played it for a record man. And uh, he said, if you play this song, you have no career. So I'm playing it. Look, I'm standing naked before you. Don't you want more than my sex? I can scream as loud as your last one, but I can't claim innocence. Oh, God, could it be the weather? Oh, God, why am I here if love isn't forever and it's not the weather? Hand me my leather. I could just pretend that you love me. The night would lose all sense of fear. But why do I need you to love me when you can't hold what I hold dear? Oh, God, could it be the weather? God, why am I here if love isn't forever and it's not the weather? I hand me my leather. Innocence, he said you're alone here So if you jump, you best jump far Oh, God, could it be the weather? Oh, God, why am I here if love isn't forever And it's not the single mom who's working two jobs and still finds time to take her kid to soccer practice. That's a miracle. 
A teenager who says no to drugs and yes to an education. That's a miracle. People want me to do everything for them. What they don't realize is they have the power. You want to see a miracle, son? Be the miracle. I've spoken about this before, and in fact, Walk the Earth 6 might have been one of the points, especially in the Walk the Earth podcast, which also can be found at inappropriateconversations.org, where I did stop and focus specifically on 
women and you know gender issues and the way the church has uh, really behaved badly toward women, Christianity in particular, Roman Catholicism in particular. That same time, uh, around November or December of 2013, when Walk the Earth 6 answered a question about gender, inappropriate conversations at the same time focused on the same question, using Mary Magdalene as a different drummer to call out that most people who have a perception about that biblical figure as being some sort of uh, prostitute or uh, you know some sort of uh, woman of, of Ill, Ill reputation have to own the fact that that was actually an intentional scriptural mistake made by a pope who took a lot of unnamed women in the Bible and combined them into a single composite figure and gave them the name Mary of Magdala, even though it's pretty clear that this Mary is not the same Mary as some of those other Marys and couldn't possibly be the woman that was identified in the home of the Pharisees as a prostitute that Jesus should not be consorting with. So I've covered this ground a little bit before, but you know what? It's actually women and the way women are treated by the church. And of course, now in the political spectrum, it's gotten worse in the last couple of years than certainly not better. Is going to bring Walk the Earth back. Probably late June, certainly by the end of July. I've got a couple Walk the Earth questions that are ready to be answered. And one of them will look specifically at how women, how church women in particular, have been and are still being treated in what we might call Trump's America. Other references from that sound series that we played, Lori Anderson was a different drummer in March of 2012, Inappropriate Conversations 84, looked at birth control, and she, of course, was released one of the classic birth control songs of all time, in my opinion, with Mach 20. Joni Mitchell was in Inappropriate Conversations 113 as the different drummer, and I named that episode Raised on Robbery with a direct callback to one of Joni Mitchell's songs. I can't say that at any point in time in the near future that I will be citing Tori Amos as a different drummer or Gwen Stefani from No Doubt, but they nevertheless have good words to hear in the context of this. And as I mentioned earlier, not only was I going to shift and use part of this conversation about religion to focus specifically on women, I also think I need to use part of this conversation to focus specifically on the wars that come. And the way politics and religion being merged together has really never ended all that well, and often not that well for religion or politics, which makes you wonder why anyone in their right mind, regardless of the opportunity represented by extreme political power, would advocate and seek for that kind of power. It did not go well in Ireland, for example. And Ireland's where I want to focus, because if I'm going to offer some dissenting opinions about religion, I want to do my best from a point of relative ignorance to offer a point of view, a dissenting opinion, if you will, about religion being merged with politics in the context of civil war. So let's begin with the band Black 47, Larry Kerwin, leader of that band, being our different drummer for this episode, with what might be their signature title track, the song Black 47.
Sinking fast, my blood is boiling Don't let me die here in a ditch If the hunger doesn't get me The fever surely will But he took me up, threw me across his shoulder He nursed me every day Till we reached America Screaming and shouting like two madmen at the wall 
make absolutely no claim to have expertise or even basic knowledge probably of the particulars of Ireland, the division between North and Republic of Ireland, uh, any of the Protestant versus Catholic um, challenges there and how that may have fueled violence and warfare, the role between England, which Church of England essentially a Protestant reformation of Catholicism and Roman Catholic views. I'm not coming to this from a perspective of wisdom. My ignorance is so high that it was really only on a trip to Ireland about a year or so ago that it occurred to me that I did understand the term Black 47 better than I thought. It wasn't referring to a number of people. It wasn't referring to a year like 1947. It was instead referring to the potato famine in 1847. And that's where a lot of the anger and vitriol in that song comes from. It's denouncing the blind eye, the turned back of the people who were in political charge of Ireland at the time that they faced an absolute famine-based crisis. So here's what Wikipedia says to introduce Larry Kerwin uh, for a different drummer segment now. He is an expatriate Irish writer and musician, most noted as the lead singer of the New York-based Irish rock band Black 47. Prior to Black 47, Kerwin and uh, another Wexford, Ireland resident, Pierce Turner, were the house band at Malachi McCork's Bells of Hell in Greenwich Village. Their music was a blend of folk, trad, progressive rock, Celtic rock, and punk. The band was one of the few groups that was banned from CBGBs, who, in the words of the owner of the club at the time, they were, quote, too demonic. They then led a new wave band called Major Thinkers for a few years, And their song Avenue B is the place to be became a radio hit, whereupon they were signed to Epic and Portrait Records. They recorded an album, Terrible Beauty, that was never released, and after a performance at Irving Plaza on St. Patrick's Day 1985, they disbanded. Still quoting Wikipedia, Kerwin has also written and produced 11 plays and musicals, some of which have been performed in the United States and Europe. The plays deal mainly with Irish history and politics. The most popular is Liverpool Fantasy. 
So, uh, again, a different drummer, an example, not just a, a musician in this case, and even as a musician, both a singer and a songwriter, but also a playwright and perhaps a political thinker at the same time. Kerwin formed Black 47 with Chris Byrne in late 1989 after a jam at Patty Riley's Pub in Manhattan. The band has released 13 CDs, including Fire of Freedom, my personal favorite, uh, and Bankers and Gangsters. They performed over 2,000 shows. Since 2005, April of that year, Kerwin has hosted Celtic Crush, a radio show now on Sirius Satellite Radio that features artists from the eight Celtic nations who play a wide variety of genre. He also writes a weekly column for the Irish Echo. So, again, that wide variety of of activities and things. And, you know, Kerwin is not, despite the fact that Black 47 is disbanded, Kerwin has not himself become inactive, still performing music, currently with Larry Kerwin and Company. The latest single I'll share a couple of lyrics from to give you a sense of the fact that his fire has not gone out. It's called Second Coming Blues. It's available to download as a single. In addition to that one song, that's one that one song by Kerwin, coupled together with Black 47 songs, are among the 25 currently on my MP3 player. I will, predictably, share one more Black 47 song, also from Fire of Freedom as a CD, as the outro music to the different drummer segment. And I'll introduce that here in just a moment. But before I get there, I think it's interesting to note that even though perhaps not overtly and directly religious, that... Uh, he's not blending religion into his uh, lyrical arguments quite the way Roger Waters did on the Amused to Death album that has a trio of songs called What God Wants. But it's nevertheless there. And I think the more the more you understood the history, the more you would see it and recognize it. But here's a sense of the lyrics that are available uh, from Larry Kerwin of Black 47. That phrase, Larry Kerwin of Black 47, is how you would find these lyrics on Facebook. That's the Facebook page. And these were posted January 20th of this year. Second Coming Blues. So he's wrecked all your plans and you don't know what to do. You feel like he's crawled all over you and your innocence gone. The stars no longer gleam. All your prayers end up in a silent scream. So he wants to make America great again. But ain't that code for let's all be white and then things fall apart. The center cannot hold. The tides, how they rise when the clowns take control. And all your hopes and dreams are fading away. And all your certainties are in such a haze. Strange days, but look out, baby. You ain't seen nothing yet. That's just the beginning of the lyrics. To the latest work by Larry Kerwin, uh, a single that uh, has come out just now, or just very recently, called Second Coming Blues. On that trip to Ireland a few years ago, uh, taking an actual... uh, hop-and-go bus where you could plug uh, headphones in and have someone, um, you know, pre-recorded, albeit, share some of the history of the things that you're looking at uh, without having to put a a human being in every bus, um, still having a way of telling people from out of town, and I was one of those people from out of town. Now, what you're looking at, is there building a particular historical interest? Um, How do you identify the building? What is the story behind it? And that was, to me, very interesting, because as I was going down this tour, we passed a place called Kilmainham Jail. And as soon as I heard that you know, proper down, the words, the lyrics to James Connolly, song by Black 47, referring to a stor- an historical figure, just popped into my head and stayed into my head for a lot of that particular tour. Then Jim yelled out, Oh, citizens, the system is a curse. An English boss is a monster, 
an Irish one even worse. They'll never lock us out again, and here's the reason why. My name is James Connolly. I didn't come here to die, but to fight for the rights of the working man and the small farmer, too. Protect the proletariat from the bosses and their screws. So hold on to your rifles, boys, and don't give up your dream of a republic for the working class and economic liberty. James Connolly will be our music to play out Larry Kerwin as a different drummer. And we'll follow it up with another track from Ireland, looking at religion as an issue, among other things, Flogging Molly. Just the sight of 
One more child screaming from hunger in a Dublin slum. Or his mother slaving 14 hours a day for the scum who exploit her and take her youth and throw it on a factory floor. Oh, Lily, I just can't take anymore. making a key decision now for our kids. It's religion decision time, you know. And I'm not bringing them up Catholic. I've made that decision, boy, because I was raised Catholic and knew it. Uh-uh. Nope. You know what? I can't bring up my kids in a church whose authority system is entirely based on the size of fucking hats, okay? That's apparently how the Catholic church is run. The bigger the hat, the more important the guy, right? Priests have no hats. Cardinals have those little red beanies. The Pope has a collection of big hats. God must have a huge fucking sombrero up there in heaven, huh? Look at me. I'm God. You're the size of my hat. Who else would I be? I don't know. Lead singer of Los Lobos? I don't know. You tell me. His eyes, they closed. And his last breath spoke. He had seen all to be seen. A life once full. Now an empty vase. With the blossoms on his early grave. Walk away. By morning we'll be free Wipe that golden tear From your mother dear And raise what's left of the flag for me Then the rosary beads Count them one, two, three Fell apart as they hit the floor In a garb of black We must pay respect to the colour We're born to mourn Walk away, me boys, walk away, me 
That was Flogging Molly, What's Left of the Flag. Might be my favorite song from them, certainly my favorite song lyrically. And uh, I've seen concert footage every bit as good live as it is in the studio version that I chose. That studio version comes from their 2003 CD, Drunken Lullabies. In the middle of that, a snippet from the Dennis Leary Lock and Load album, where he talks about religion, how to raise the kids. And uh, to me, whether Dennis Leary is ultimately uh, an original comedian, an original artist in that respect, or derivative, he seemed to have exactly the right words to shove in (laughs) to this particular spot. As I bridge from religion in general to women and the impact religion has had on them, to an international perspective, let me mention a few other songs that I'm not going to share today that kind of give you a sense of what a rich vein there is there, uh, not just with Black 47 and Flogging Molly, but even the Cranberries. I mean, song Zombie became a big hit, but it was a big hit. Looking at the violence inspired by sectarianism and international conflict in Ireland related to both the relationship of Ireland and England, but also the relationship of Protestants and Catholics in that country. 
While I'm name-dropping songs, I only mentioned one more that um, I think the rest of the way I'm going to play whatever's on my mind. But one that I chose not to share here that I think would be a nice addition to the conversation around religion is the Moody Blues, Lost in a Lost World. And I don't know that that song gets a ton of credit. I mentioned earlier, Inappropriate Conversations 53, as I recall, I share lyrics there from Mike Pender's songwriting for this Moody Blues track off their Seventh Sojourn album. But Lost in a Lost World tends to be my response when we allow abuse to happen, whether it's uh, women in Ireland being deemed as uh, too attractive and therefore placed into a monastery to uh, protect men from being sinful, uh, as Joni Mitchell described, in the name of religion. I disagree with arguments that people make that all war can be blamed on religion or the religion is responsible for even most war. I got a pretty good notion just from having been a junior high and high school kid and going to PE class and seeing how the dynamics of men, young men, interacting with each other in a locker room plays out. And I guarantee you strip away all the religion that's ever existed in the history of the world and boys are still going to fight with each other. And when they grow up, the fighting becomes much more violent. And when they're corrupt enough, it's a war pigs situation where they allow other people to do the fighting on their behalf. I made a late addition to my original plan for this particular view of dissent, and maybe it's a fair observation that I haven't really offered much strong dissenting arguments against religion itself, at least not since the Jethro Tull block very early in the show. Well, that's about to change, because I wanted to make references to the songwriting of Auntie Partridge again. I mentioned at the very beginning of this Sound Dove series that the group XTC was going to appear often. There might be a handful or even a six-pack of songs that I was not just going to refer to, but even play along the way. And it, it surprised me when I was taking my notes about protest songs and crafting this long Sound of series for the uh, beginning of 2016, stretching all the way out into June, as I expected it would. I thought I'd use a lot of Andy Partridge there, but the one I was going to hold off and just not really quote directly, not allow to have its say, was Dear God. And I think the song Dear God from the Skylarking album, I could still defend the argument for excluding it, and I could do so under the auspices that it's probably a popular enough song that people who are into what we might call alternative rock music of the 80s, 90s, and today would know it, that it doesn't necessarily need to be quoted and shared. But that's really not fair, because both in the Inappropriate Conversations 53, Secular Visions of Divinity, I talked about it. I'm pretty sure I also talked about it before in Inappropriate Conversations number 29 when Andy Partridge was named a different drummer in September of 2010. Maybe that talk has been good enough up to now. Maybe it's time I let Andy Partridge speak for himself.
I mentioned Dear God in the auspices of letting Andy Partridge speak for himself, but I'm not mistaken. That's also his young son who's uh, singing his way through the first verse there. And maybe for a lot of people who listen to inappropriate conversations who don't come to religion from the uh, personal experience perspective that I've got, who have a different experience that if internally they haven't had a spiritual moment, that maybe all they've seen externally is a heck of a lot of corruption and violent misbehavior, uh, dividing the world into haves and have-nots, using the the false dichotomy, logical fallacy that has become so prevalent in the last two or three years, especially here in America, to give people a sense that there really isn't anything of value, there isn't anything defensible in, um, in American Christianity today. Uh, I could support the argument even though I ultimately disagree with it, and I made a mention at the beginning of this particular inappropriate conversations that I was not going to go through and rebut the points of view of people with whom I disagree. Here's my opportunity to prove that. It wasn't just talk. No, I want to offer a slightly different perspective on Andy Partridge's ideas expressed in the album Skylarking, uh, the song Dear God, by letting Andy himself offer a slightly different perspective two albums later with the opening cut of the non-such album, 1992. This is the Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead.
okay, so I may understand why some people really feel that uh, Andrew Partridge speaks for them with the song Dear God. For me, Andy Partridge speaks for me more with the song The Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead. And that's going to be where I, I focus. So to me, it's all about what would happen if Jesus came back today? Would he be crucified again? And, you know, obviously there's biblical reasons to think that the second coming will play out in a completely different way. But let's do a piece of alternative history. Let's play things out as if Jesus's first coming wasn't 2000 years ago in Palestine, but today in the United States of America. And yet somehow um, all of the religious points of view, all the scripture, all the doctrines are still there and in place. And if Jesus came and reinforced them or repeated them, or just did everything all over again, what would happen? Uh, my guess is that he would be crucified again. The most controversial of those verses is one of my favorite. Peter Pumpkinhead put to shame governments who would slur his name, but plots and sex scandals failed outright. Peter merely said, every kind of love is all right. But he made too many enemies of the people who would keep us on our knees. Who ray for Peter Pumpkin? Who will pray for Peter Pumpkinhead? So I've covered a lot of ground with religion so far, and I haven't gotten to a single artist that I think we would arguably call contemporary Christian. I'm about to change that, and I'm going to do so with a musical criticism embedded right in the middle of it. Because let me tell you something. When I, when I go to a jukebox, especially now in the modern era, where I'm in a bar, I'm going to be there for a while, and it, the jukebox is web-enabled, so I have more songs available to me than just whatever CDs or files were loaded on that particular jukebox. We take this for granted, but actually... Jukebox today is a much bigger deal than it's ever been before. Theoretically, with tools like Spotify, the song lists could be arguably never-ending compared to how many 45 RPM singles, 7-inch singles, could you load onto a player uh, back in the day when it was actually a, a stylus, I mean, a needle on vinyl playing those songs in the jukebox. No, anymore when I go, if I realize I'm going to be there for a while and I want to have a little bit of fun, I'll, I'll play two songs in a series. No matter what other songs I may pick, I tend to pick Jesus Freak by DC Talk, but I only do it if I also can pick Psalm 69 by Ministry. Because whether DC Talk is actually consciously aware of it or not, they do a direct callback to the Ministry song Stigmata right in the middle with the vocal fry that is used as an expression of uh, frustration in the middle of the song Jesus Freak. So I'm just going to call it out by saying that although I prefer, I like the lyrical originality of the song, in fact, I'll share the lyrics before I play the series just to make sure that they can be heard, of uh, Toby Mack, uh, who was the different drummer in Inappropriate Conversations 97. that came out in August of 2012. It's also true that an argument that this particular song is derivative and perhaps even the band DC Talk is derivative, is a valid argument. I just happen to like what they're being a derivation of. So it's funny. The part of my world that loves DC Talk despises the band ministry. The part of my world that loves the band ministry probably doesn't have a lot of time and patience for DC Talk. And yet I think both of them have a place, and both of them belong. But before I jump into a bit of a mashup of these two you know, groups of ideas... Let me share some of the lyrics to give you a sense of why Jesus Freak is a song of protest. It is a song of dissent. Despite coming from a, contem a contemporary Christian band making an absolute 
open pledge of faith in the midst of the song. I think it'll be clear when we, I share the lyrics, especially when they're talking about uh, how to deal with the high and mighty. Separated. I cut myself clean from a past that comes back in my darkest of dreams. Been apprehended by a spiritual force and a grace that replaced all the me I've divorced. I saw a man with a tat on his big fat belly. It wriggled around like marmalade jelly. It took me a while to catch what it said because I had to match the rhythm of his belly with my head. Jesus saves is what it raved in a typical tattoo green. He stood on a box in the middle of the city and he claimed he had a dream. What will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find that it's true? I don't really care if they label me a Jesus freak. There ain't no disguising the truth. Kamikaze. My death is gain. I've been barked by my maker, a peculiar display. The high and lofty, they see me as weak, because I won't live and die for the power they seek. There was a man from the desert with naps in his head. The sand that he walked was also his bed. The words that he spoke made the people assume there wasn't too much left in the upper room. With skins on his back and hair on his face, they thought he was strange by the locusts he ate. The Pharisees tripped when they heard him speak until the king took the head of this Jesus freak. I'll stop there for now. The rest of the lyrics are much more easy to decipher. But the bottom line is, DC Talk, whether they know it or not, may just agree with me. If John the Baptist came back today, the Pharisees would react the same way. The Pharisees in our society call themselves the religious right, and they may just urge the king to take the head of genuine Jesus freaks.
Open your prayer guides to the book of Revelations, Psalm 
succeed and the way to sacrifice. I'm debating whether to share the lyrics of Psalm 69 by ministry. I realize that just having played the band sharing the lyrics themselves puts me in a position where I've earned the explicit language tag if I hadn't learned it, earned it previously and I don't earn it in the very near future, which I will. Every one of these Sound of series, including the one focused on religion, has earned an explicit tag because these bands give themselves permission to speak freely. It's inherently true about them. It's the nature of protest. You know, the lyrics here are offensive, and they're offensive intentionally. The song is subtitled, The Way to Succeed and The Way to Suck Eggs. And even though they spell succeed as the word, S-U-C-C-E-E-D, they pronounce it as the way to suck seed and the way to suck eggs. So there's explicit language here in the song. And it is not in any way uh, positive or reinforcing of religion. It's intending to offend, just like the song Jesus Freak was intending to evangelize. This feels like a pretty good place for me to take a break from music and dip into a little bit of spoken word. <laughs> and I realize I shared a quick clip along the way from uh, Bruce Almighty uh, in the midst of the, the women song block. And early on from the Hunt for Red October, Dennis Leary is a comedian. But this is actually going to be a solid block of audio book. And I'm going to use it as a way of kind of cleansing our palate. Because we're about to move from ministry into the band Nuclear Assault. And I think that that's an awful lot to take back to back to back. Um, but nevertheless, staying true to the theme, it'll be a song or two by Nuclear Assault. Leveling direct criticisms on the way that, that religion is managed, particularly in America today. And the passes that we tend to give 
both the religious right and the politically active Christians in our midst. But before we get there, there was a moment a couple of years back where my wife sort of uh, lifted the needle, so to speak, on a book she was reading and stopped everything and said, I know you really don't like it when I try to get you to jump into the middle of a chapter in the middle of a book where it's a fiction work and you, you haven't been on board from the start, so you're not necessarily familiar with it, but you simply have to hear this. So I'm going to share, from an audiobook perspective, parts of track four and five from a book by Tim Dorsey called Tiger Shrimp Tango. And I still have not read this book, despite how much I love this this section of it. So I'm going to speak from a relative degree of ignorance, just what my wife has shared with me having read it first, and deciphering it. It's a, it's a crime story, where you've got to have an anti-hero who's a serial killer, and then somewhere along the way, in the midst of this, he has kidnapped high-ranking operatives from both the Republican National Committee and the Democrat National Committee. He's drugged them, essentially for the, for the one of better argument, he's given them uh, whatever cliche we might have in our mind about sodium pentothal negative, given them truth serum and perhaps other drugs to make them uh, more uh, credulous because he's about to introduce him them to his cohort, who he's going to describe as the second coming of Christ, and offer to both these political operatives a pitch. If you actually could have Jesus of Nazareth as your political candidate, as the person on top of the ticket running for president of the United States on behalf of either the Republicans or the Democrats, if you can't unite around this particular candidate, what hope is there for the future of America? Now, this book was written a few years ago. I heard it a couple of years ago, at least this section of it. But boy, it is putting a pin directly on the tail of both the donkey and the elephant of American politics and religion today. Roger lolled his head. And you want to know which one of us will pick him? No, said Serge. He's a no-brainer as the top candidate for either ticket. You'll both fight like wild dingoes over him. That's a given. But only one party can win, so here's the experiment. After the election, can the other party unite behind him for the sake of the nation? Depends on the candidate, said Jansen. Like I told you, he's an automatic, said Serge. It's the one and only Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ? said Roger. But he's dead. Well, he came back, said Serge. That possibility was always left open. I'm sure you heard the stories. Roger twisted his head around. Where is he? Serge called toward the bathroom. Jesus, can you come here a second? No response. Jesus, get out here! Roger and Jansen leaned in the direction of Serge's gaze. Dang it! Serge marched to the bathroom and banged on the door. Jesus, what are you doing in there? From the other side of the door. Jesus? Oh, right. Coleman came out and smiled. My children. That's not Jesus, said Jansen. Yes, it is said Serge. He's out of shape, said Roger. Give him some slack, said Serge. It's been 2,000 years, and if you don't believe it's really him, check out the shirt. The pair looked in the middle of Coleman's chest, where something had been written in magic marker. What would I do? I'm convinced, said Roger. Me too, 
said Jansen. Then back to my main question, said Serge. He's sure to win. I mean, even if you don't believe he's the son of God, you have to admit he's a people person. And if he wins for the other side, could you support his administration? Jansen, you go first. Wait a second, Roger interrupted from the other chair. I have some issues to go over first before I can accept him as our candidate. Are you joking? said Serge. What's not to like about this guy? The conservatives have been eroding separation of church and state for years. So? Well, he's a little on the religious side. He's Christ! Exactly. And politicians often visit schools. Since he's Jesus, anything he says will be the new gospel. I'm not following. Prayer in the classroom? You've got to be shitting me, said Serge. I agree it's a quibble, said Roger. But we have to keep our base happy. Shut up. Serge grabbed his head and turned to Jansen. Don't tell me you also have a problem with him as a candidate. Actually, yes. Serge's jaw fell open. What? Don't take this the wrong way, because we definitely respect all faiths. It's just that our polling data right now shows that the only viable candidate needs to be a Christian. Yeah, said Serge. Jesus, Christian, who better? Jansen shook his head. He's Jewish. He's Christ, said Serge. It's just that our pollsters... Shut up. Serge massaged his temples and turned back to Roger. Hypothetically, let's take the prayer thing off the table. Surely he's acceptable in every other way. Not really. Serge needed a chair. I don't even want to ask. Remember that talk about telling his followers to render unto Caesar, said Roger, that they'd be rewarded in heaven? Yeah. I'm not sure he'd support shifting the tax burden to the rich. Incredible. Serge turned. Jansen, can you help me here? I'm afraid he scores very low on our Christian values test. He's Christ! associating with known prostitutes, creating a disturbance in a house of worship with that money changer scene, the loaves and the fishes, which was a socialist food redistribution program. Stop talking. Mary was an unwed teen mom, said Roger. We're concerned about his views on abortion. And we're worried about his stance on capital punishment, said Jansen. Because of that incident, both of you shut the fuck up. I can't believe what I'm hearing. Previously on Starbase 66. My two-and-a-half-year-old daughter loves Darth Vader. You know, it, it, and the other day she was playing with a little Darth Vader. One of our, we have a few Darth Vader toys around. And she's like, Darth Vader, Darth Vader. <laughs> it's adorable when she does it. And I was like, do you want to see Darth Vader on TV? Yeah. And so I dug out The Empire Strikes Back and... We just cut straight to the, the saber battle with her and Luke. And all through the thing, she kept going, Luke, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> Luke, stop it! Protect Darth Vader! <laughs> Listen to Starbase 66, the international Star Trek and genre fiction podcast on simplysyndicated.com, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Perhaps this is dismissive of me, but my tendency to want to introduce 
the lyrics to songs where I think the uh, the lead singer is going to be a little bit harder to understand is uh, it was not fair. I, maybe I'm giving the lead singer of Nuclear Assault a little bit too little credit. And maybe it would be better if you encountered his words directly from him first. All the same, I think I'm going to do a little bit of introduction to Preaching to the Deaf, uh, share a little bit of the words before I share the song itself, because I initially didn't plan to play this particular track from Nuclear Assault. My introduction to the group came from the same album. It was from the Out of Order record, released in oh, somewhere in the early 90s, maybe even late 80s. But it was the song Hypocrisy that I heard first. And I'll talk a little bit about that on the other side, because I'm going to make a bit of a block out of Nuclear Assault. But it does make sense, probably, to introduce Preaching to the Deaf, because I think anyone familiar with past inappropriate conversations, like Inappropriate Conversations 44, Sacred Friendship, will get the reference. The Lord is a close personal friend of mine. We play cards every Tuesday night. He always wins, of course, but you know, I have witnessed a miracle. I have seen a 900-foot Jesus in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Although a guy named Sam, Sam Kennison screams, thinks I was off my medication, but praise the Lord and send in your donations. This section alone from Preaching to the Deaf spoke to me because I was there as a reporter in a college newspaper covering Oral Roberts and his 900-foot Jesus.
Don't try to frighten us with your sorcerer's ways, Lord Vader. Your sad devotion to that ancient religion has not helped you conjure up the stolen data tapes or given you clairvoyance enough to find the rebels' hidden fort. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Enough of this. Vader, release him. As you wish. The audio clip there perhaps is my favorite line of dialogue from the entire set of Star Wars movies, including the most recent Star Wars movies from the 1977 original. And I played it in between Preaching to the Deaf and Hypocrisy, both nuclear assault songs from the same album, because I do not find the lyrics written by Glenn Evans for the group disturbing. So I may find his lack of faith interesting. But I don't necessarily find it disturbing because I'm not sure that Evans is offering a direct criticism of Jesus of Nazareth, of the Gospels, of Christianity in particular, but a particular kind of religious right hypocrisy. 
in the song, Hypocrisy. The righteous gather to deliver judgment, never caring for the needs of the poor. Are you pro-life when you bomb their clinics, killing the unborn and the born? It's also a sin to use protection, or that is what you would have us believe. You don't care because it doesn't affect you. You're too fucking old to conceive. Wallow in hypocrisy, wallow in hypocrisy. From where I stand and hear you talk, it makes me really sick. What's even worse is people seem to listen to these hicks. A woman's body is not your province, none of your concern. So go back to your Bible belt, you've got a lot to learn. Adoption's not the answer either. Is it fair for you to say that she should go through pregnancy so a total stranger can take it away? Why don't you just mind your business? Leave the rest of us alone. Because I don't care about the Bible or what your holy pope condones. Wallow in hypocrisy, wallow in hypocrisy. The righteous gather to deliver judgment, never caring for the needs of the poor. Are you pro-life when you bomb their clinics, killing the unborn and the born? Wallow in hypocrisy, church and state hypocrisy. Wallow in hypocrisy, barring any leniency. Wallow in hypocrisy, ancient in their dormancy. Wallow in hypocrisy, wallow in hypocrisy. So I can disagree, perhaps, with an opinion that would throw the proverbial baby out with the bathwater here. While at the same time, not just totally understanding, but being on board to a certain degree with a direct complaint about the way religion is used in the con- in the context of the religious right. So, this is a Sound of Protest series, a Sound of Dissent episode focusing on religion. And if I ended right now, the argument would be unmistakable that I'm, I've gone negative, I've gone low, I've ended negative. But I have tried to make an effort on each one of these episodes to end positive. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to stop leveling criticisms. But in Inappropriate Conversations 18, released around the 4th of July in 2010, my first 4th of July timed episode, my different drummer was Todd Snyder. And I spent a lot of time on that episode talking about his music, number of songs that I carry, um, quoting lyrics pretty liberally, uh, and the, the bottom line is, Todd Snyder deserves to be heard. Because embodied in one person, he demonstrates that you can offer almost evangelistic lyrics in your very first major label debut album, while at the same time having a lot of very scornful words to say a few albums later about the attitude conservative political Christians have about people like Todd Snyder. And then at the same time saying, hey, Regardless of the give and the take here, the yin and the yang, these two points of view, where he seems to be saying he does believe a lot of the things that these other people believe, even though they've rejected him, he basically just says, not worried about that. I'm focusing on what he calls a whole lot more. Somebody's coming Tell all these people Who think they need money Somebody's coming Tell everybody walking Tall and proud That their money talks But it talks so loud That there's somebody coming That's gonna change everything Tell all these people Making all these Somebody's coming Tell all 
all these people with their hateful opinions. Somebody's coming. Tell everybody in the KKK, in the FBI, or the CIA, that there's somebody's coming that's gonna change everything. Somebody's coming to change your mind. Sneak up on all you believe from behind her. Somebody's coming who won't let you down. Don't turn everything you thought was right around. Well, somebody's coming that's gonna change everything. Protesters of corporate greed 
We who have nothing and most likely will till we all end up locked up in jail by conservative Christian, right wing Republican, straight white American man. Diamonds and dogs, boys and girls living together in two separate worlds, following leaders of mountains of shame, looking for someone to blame. separate world following leaders of mountains of shame looking for someone to blame I know who I like to blame conservative Christian right wing Republican straight white American males soul saving Waving, rush loving, land paving, personal friends to the quail. Quite diligently, working so hard to keep the free reins of this democracy. From tree hugging, peace loving, pot smoking, barefoot, and folk singing, hippies like me. Tree hugging, peace loving, pot smoking, You're here for 
I want a whole lot more than treasures that I can store down here on Earth. You slice it any way you want to, buddy, because I know what they're worth. Some guys want attention, some guys want girls, some dig kicking down doors. Some want everything in the whole wide world, but I want a whole lot more. Todd Snyder, with Somebody's Coming and a lot more from his Songs from the Daily Planet album. And conservative Christian right-wing Republican straight white American males from his East Nashville Skyline album. There's one other reference and one other quote I want to make before I end this Sound of Dissent, dealing specifically with religion uh, and issues related to religion. Before I get to the closing and let T-Bone Burnett take us out with I Can Explain Everything, a song intentionally written as a jab at the Rush Limbaugh's of the world, putting his lyrics pulled straight from their mouth and basically shoving it right back at them. I want to talk about the uninvited. And to me, I've got a mantra that I've used for a couple of years now, probably five years now, that If something is not funny, you don't understand it yet. It's okay to have a sense of humor about things. And the last mention I'll make to a song I'm not going to share is by the band Uninvited. Now, I have shared a short clip of this song before in the Harder Core Than Thou episode of Inappropriate Conversations, number 124. I talked, uh, I shared a piece of this music, a piece of two of their songs, as a matter of fact, because even though I don't know that I can make an argument that Uninvited musically is in any way hardcore, certainly not compared to nuclear assault or ministry, not even compared to DC Talk or Jethro Tull. But their lyrics, to my mind, were a challenge to the kind of traditional thinking within church circles and having fun with it. And again, poking fun at religious people is a pretty good way to make them uncomfortable because lacking a sense of humor is one of the surest signs I can name that you don't really understand what's going on. So under the auspices of if it's not funny, you don't understand it yet, Here are the lyrics from The Uninvited off their self-titled 1998 album, For What God Said. I talked to God and God said, hey, I've got a lot of things to say. Write it down this very day and spread the word in every way. I talked to God and here's the deal. He said to floss between each meal, drive with both hands on the wheel, and on the first date, don't cop a feel. I talked to God and God said, nothing special. I talked to God, and God said nothing that we shouldn't already know. I talked to God, and here's what he said. Wear a helmet on your head when you ride a bike instead, or you'll crash and end up dead. I asked God for the holy word, ageless wisdom never heard. He just said to feed the birds, love your pets, clean up their turds. I talked to God, and God said, John, I let them kill my only son, and my creation's so undone that I can't help out everyone. But if you're looking for advice, you don't need to ask me twice. Start with the basics. Just be nice. See if that makes things all right. I talked to God and God said nothing special. I talked to God and God said nothing special. I talked to God and God said nothing that we shouldn't already know. It's like a mixtape. And everybody knows that mixtapes mean I love you. If you'd like to put some dialogue into this conversation yourself, I can be reached at IC underscore Greg at Hotmail.com. All the episodes of Inappropriate Conversations and Walk the Earth, which should return later this month, are available at www.inappropriateconversations.org. I'm in the process of using the .com of that as well, but just as a redirect so that anybody who accidentally types in inappropriateconversations.com gets to the .org site that I've been using for years now. Inappropriate Conversations has a Facebook page. It's listed as a cause. And I also can be found on Twitter as IC underscore Greg. 
One day I'll get back to, to kicking in clips from the older episodes of Inappropriate Conversations on SoundCloud. I've also gotten to the point of excerpting Walk the Earth. The excerpts there are far more generous. It's essentially the entire answer to the question without sharing the question at the beginning and the prayer at the end. And one more reminder. Last weekend in June at Pride48.com or TuneIn Radio, there's going to be a live streaming podcast weekend. Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. Find more shows over at pride48.com.